text reading is from Romans 1, 18 through 32. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions for their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature and men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving them in themselves the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what they ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, and ruthless though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. The word of the Lord. I want to give you, share a little bit of a testimony uh, throughout this message and reveal how God uh, revealed the ingratitude in my own heart. And so let's have a look at uh, a portion of our text again out of Romans. Romans uh, 1, we were looking at, uh, that was read to us. But let's pick up verse 21. It says, For also they knew God, and they did not honour him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Now this is, this is not the sort of verse that you want to hear in a sermon series on thankfulness this morning. It's more like an anti-thanksgiving uh, verse. It's not as if uh, other translations uh, give you and I any helpful solace or give us any solace uh, regarding this. And we all uh, will we'll look at other translations as well a bit later on. But no matter how you translate these verses this morning from the original Greek, it's bleak. It's very bleak. The real problem here is that Paul is talking about all of us, the whole human race, not just some pagan part of the world or a society that never goes to church or does not read their Bible. He's not talking. He's talking about all of us. Paul makes that pretty clear when he says, yes, they knew God. And that, that has to include all Baptists, all Anglicans, all Church of Christ, all Catholics and Lutherans and Greek Orthodox and Pentecostals and Presbyterians and all other odds and sods that fill up Google and Facebook as well. It certainly includes me and it includes you as well. Um, if I can hear myself. Scratch it. 
And so, whenever we study Romans chapter 1, verses 18 to 32, we usually do it under this, some sort of heading. In your Bibles, if you open them, they will say the condemnation of the Gentiles, or it will say the wrath of God against mankind. It's the heading that's above your Bible. Uh, in your Bible, it's above the, the verses, verse 18, it goes through to verse 32. And we trace Paul's argument this way. We, we, we think that God's wrath is revealed against the whole human race because we are all born with an innate knowledge of God, which we willfully suppress. And that's true. That's verse 18. And number two is that when uh, God has made himself plain, to all of humanity so that we are without excuse. And we can see that in verses 19 to 20. And in verses 21 to 23, it talks about uh, turning away from God and we turn to idolatry as we turn away from God. Now, the result of that, the first result is that there's moral impurity. Verse 24 to 25 tell us that. And the second result is this dishonorable passions. We saw that in verses 26 to 27. And the third result is total social breakdown, verse 28 to 32. And doesn't this just sound so familiar in our 21st century context? You know, reading the Bible this morning is like reading the newspaper, isn't it? And so those three results can be clearly seen in verses 24, verse 26 and verse 28 in the repeated verse that says God gave them up. God gave them up. This speaks of a judicial act of God, whereby he hands mankind over to the natural consequences of their disobedience. Paul's burden in this passage is to show that the whole human race is now under God's wrath and justly deserving his punishment and that we all are without excuse in the eyes of God. Verse 20 talks about that. Now, this whole thing is not a pretty picture this morning. And virtually every preacher worth their salt has used this passage to paint a picture uh, and paint a portrait of, a, of a, a rebellious world gone far astray from God. The Apostle Paul paints his portrait in the blackest terms possible because he later wishes to show the glories of the gospel of Christ set against the backdrop of human sin. Now, with all that said this morning, let's take a closer look at verse 21, a verse that is tucked away in this whole chapter of chapter 1 of Romans 1. It's a verse that I mentioned right at the start of the sermon. I read it out to you. Verse 21 explains a key stage in humanity's turn from a true God to idolatry. So let's have a look at it again. For although they knew God, they did not honour him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Just to be fair, let's look at several other translations. The NIV says, For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God or gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. In the New Living Translation it says, Yes, they knew God, but they weren't worshipping him as God or even giving him thanks. And they, became, and, and, they be, and they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. This is one of those occasions where 
the translations all say the same thing. They knew God. They did not honour God. They did not give thanks to God. They be, they, their thinking became futile. Their hearts became darkened. That means the problem with the human race is not a lack of knowledge. The deeper problem is ignoring the knowledge they already knew. Truth always demands a response, brothers and sisters. Truth always demands a response. No one can be neutral in the spiritual arena this morning. Paul goes on to spell out what happens when we become indifferent to spiritual truth. We refuse to glorify God and we refuse to give thanks to God. If we are indifferent to spiritual truth this morning, then we will fail to glorify God and we will fail to give thanks to God. At this point, it is helpful to remind ourselves of what the reform, the Reformation forefathers, our, 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 our sorry, let me put my teeth back in. <laughs> it help us to remind ourselves of what our Reformation forefathers said in 1647. They wrote a document called the Westminster Confession. And within it was instruction in the principles of Christianity using set questions and answers. And the very first set question they ask is, what is the chief end of man? In other words, why did God create the human race? And what's the first answer? To glorify God and to enjoy him forever. That's the first thing. So truth this morning demands a response. And the truth about God demands that we, the creatures, glorify him as the great creator. When we don't, we fail in the greatest purpose of which we were created. We fail. But it didn't start with us. It started in the dim mists of the early days of the human race. When Adam and Eve willfully rebelled against God, they should have glorified God and obeyed him, but they didn't. And that was and still is the chief sin of the human race. From Eden all the way to our hometown in Akron, a bent towards disobedience has entered our spiritual genetic code. Pastor Charles Spurgeon delivered a sermon on the unthankful person and he preached from this text, Romans 1, 18 to 32. He said, but it was this one little phrase that burnt in my mind. They did not give thanks. When, pa when Pastor Charles Spurgeon preached on our text, he offered this comment. He said, I cannot say anything much worse of a person that they who are not thankful to those who have been their benefactor. In other words, he's saying it's poor it's poor form this morning to ask for help, willingly receive that help and then be rude and unthankful, even gossip about them and run them down. Pastor Spurgeon goes on to say, and when you say that this person is not thankful to God, you have said about the worst thing you can say about them. Truth this morning demands a response. The worst thing a person can do is not to be thankful to God. Isaiah 53 tells us of this great sin of unthankfulness. 
when the suffering servant appears, verse 3 says, he was despised and rejected by mankind. A man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hid their faces. He was despised and he, we held him in low esteem. Truth demands a response and it is our own selfishness that goes before us this morning. We are unthankful creatures and treat God accordingly. God is detested by humanity. We ignore him daily. We, his, his, his book is neglected. His son is refused. His deliverances are forgotten. Even as Christians, we tend to ignore God's provision and God's uh, 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 the stuff that comes to us day by day. Pastor Spurgeon goes on to say in that particular sermon I quoted you before, it says, Why look at some he says, Why look at some of you? You never miss a meal in your you've never missed a meal in your lives. When you went to the table, there was always something on it. You never had to lose a night's sleep for want of a bed. Some of you from your childhood have had all your heart's wishes or have had all that your heart could wish. If God has treated you so while many are crushed with poverty, should he not have some gratitude from you? You had a good mother. You had a tender father. You have gone from one form of a relationship to another with increasing comfort. You are spared and your mother is spared. Your wife and children are spared. Indeed, God has made your path very smooth. Some of you are getting on in business while other men are failing. Some of you have every condition, every comfort at home while others have been widowed and their children have, have fallen one after the other. Will you never be grateful? Hard, hard, hard. Will thou never break? Will any mercy bend thee? I do appeal to some here whose path has been so full of mercy that they ought to think of God and turn to him with sincere repentance and faith. And then he says even more, he says, but one says, I've had good luck. What can be worse than that? Here is unthankfulness to God indeed when you ascribe his good gift as good luck. Well, you know, but I have been a very hard-working man. I know you have, but you have, but you, you, who gave you this strength for that work, for your work? I have a good supply of brain while others do not. Did you make your own brains? Do, do you not feel that any man who talks about his own wisdom and his own wit writes FOOL across his forehead in capital letters? We own everything to God. Shall we not give God nothing? Shall we have no gratitude to him for whom all our blessings have come? I wonder how many of us this morning should have the word fool tattooed on our own forehead for taking God's blessings for granted. So now that we've been thoroughly dressed down by Pastor Spurgeon, let us look at two signs this morning of an ungrateful heart. In, other sermon, in another sermon on this very same verse, uh, Spurgeon writes, I fear there are thousands who call themselves Christians who are not thankful and yet they never 
thought themselves very guilty on that account. The point is this this morning, beloved, that we express this ungratefulness in at least two different ways. First, we receive daily blessings from God's hand without ever considering where they come from. God's mercies are new every morning. Lamentations 3:22 to 23 said the, stead, the steadfast love of, of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Life and breath this morning, health and friends, food and clothing and the kindness of others and a job to go to or benefits to receive and money enough to meet our needs. All of it comes to us daily and it is as if we run to the back door and let those blessings in because we are ashamed and afraid to let them in through the front door. We receive all that God has given, but we don't acknowledge the giver. And secondly, we grumble about what we don't have. If, if it's manna, we wish to have quail. If it's cereal, we complain because we want eggs. If our black pants are in the wash or, uh, or, uh, and are not ready and are not ironed and are not pressed, we complain because we have to wear brown ones that are ironed and that are hanging ready in the wardrobe, yeah? If we have $500, we complain because we want $1,000. If we have $1,000, we complain because we want $5,000. If we don't have cancer, we complain that we've got arthritis. If we have a car, we wish to have another car. We dream of a better job because we could be doing so much better than we are now. Complaining, complaining. It all goes back to Adam, doesn't it? Who told Eve, those fig leaves that you sewed together for me make me itch. <laughs> There's a sense over the last few years that God has revealed the ingratitude in my own heart. God did it in a way that was unexpected. There was no road to Damascus experience. There was no thunderclaps or hurricane winds that happened. It's a little embarrassing to own up and to confess my own ingratitude, but I am determined to rid my soul of this vice as I walk with the Lord. So let me speak plainly about what God has done for me. Over the last 15 years, the Lord has led me on a path that, or on pathways that are, that are quite different from anything that I have ever traveled before in the past. Previously, to the past 15 year period, I have planted and served in many churches in Australia and overseas. Some as, as the pastor, some as an assistant pastor. But all of those congregations, I only wish to remark this morning that they were filled with good and kind people who graciously listened to me bang my gums together every week. And all the churches were very gracious towards me, but in every case, I insisted that I kept my full-time job or part-time employment. It was like my backup plan. Yeah? I was proud to say that I was a bivocational pastor. To some extent, if I was honest, I didn't trust my own abilities and I didn't trust the church's ability to support me. Even though they wanted to, even though they insisted on paying for my utility bills and other bits and pieces, 
They wanted to show their good faith. They wanted to encourage me to go full time. But I always resisted. In God's timing, an opportunity to leave the southeast of Melbourne and relocate into the west of Melbourne. You can see the map behind me. And so, like Abraham of old, we went out not knowing where we were going. Giselle and I had never been to the western region of Melbourne. Why would you? It's 60 to 90 miles away. And so we set off to follow the Lord and do the best that we could. Now, I did try to push back, though. I did ask the leadership of the church that we were going to. I said, would it be a problem if I kept my full-time job? And they said, uh, yes, it would be a problem. No, you cannot keep your full-time job. We expect you to resign that job, relocate, and work full-time for the church. Now, it was very difficult to leave the known for the unknown, to leave the here and to go to there. And there were some tough times. There have been some heartbreaks. People had let me down. People do let you down. People do hurt you. And none of us here um, will be immune to those things. People do let you down. But that stuff happens in all geographic locations, yeah? all geographic places, wherever there are people trying to live in community, trying to live a common theme, people will always let you down. People will always be critical. People will always be ungrateful. So whether we're in Jerusalem or whether we're in Babylon, those things are common. So leaving the known to minister 60 to, 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 to 70 miles away to the unknown was an enormous leap of faith. Before leaving our Jerusalem, I was the major breadwinner and Giselle worked part-time and looked after our son Tim. He, Tim's got a special need and so he needs to be looked after. Now, to make that whole transition work, we had to reverse roles. I had to now look after Tim's daily needs and make sure that he got off the school uh, and, and got home in one piece. Both Tim and I tried to look after the house. Sometimes we missed the mark. It wasn't always up to Giselle's standard, you know, the cleaning and the dusting and all that sort of stuff. But we tried to minimise anything Giselle had to do because she was now the breadwinner. She was now putting in the long hours. So someone... So, so, so one of the, the big takeaways in all of this is that we learned a long time ago that the way that God plans and the way that we plan are really the same thing. Of the last 15 years, let me expound two things. Many of those past years were not part of my plan at all. I never envisioned the moment where I would roll reverse with my wife. So I could move into the plans of God for my life. I had no such desire, no such plan to do that. But God's plans and our plans are really the same. And it's because God willed it that way that I'm standing right here today. I didn't, I didn't push back on the, 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 the fear uh, or, or the, the, the need to control situations. I didn't push back. I just allowed with, with, with anxiety, I have to tell you, with anxiety, I allowed God to take hold of what he wanted to do. But secondly, during those years, God never failed us. Not even one time. We saw 
Things happen that seem to us to be miraculous answers to prayer. God's provision came down from heaven, from that unseen realm, just when it was most needed. Never too much, always just enough and always in the nick of time. I did not see this clearly until just a few years ago. All this, this God's provision and standing here today would not have happened if I had not relocated the 60 miles for the ministry opportunity. Giving up a well-paid job and working for the church gave me the ability to study. I now have a master's degree. I gave up, uh, I, I, I gave, it gave me the ability and the time to engage with local community projects. It gave me the ability to engage with decision makers within the city. Uh, I now look for missionary type answers to prayer because of that. And all this would never have happened. So what revealed the ungrateful heart this morning? What revealed my ungrateful heart? So over the last 15 years, God has provided. God has enlarged my heart. And while there were times I was anxious, God always came through. And for that, I am very, very grateful. But God spoke very clearly to me and showed me something about my heart that I had never seen before. During those years when I received a regular income, where I worked a job and my boss gave me a paycheck, I never once stopped and thanked God for his provision. Never. I was very quick to check my bank balance on the first of every month, making sure I received my salary, my bonuses. The company I worked for took great care of me and I was quick to take their money. But I, did, but I did not ever say thank you to the Lord. There was never a time I can remember being grateful to God for his provision. And this is something that I've come to realise over the past few years. So during my years as a, a working church planner, as a working pastor, if you'd asked me, are you thankful for, for, the, for, for your company's salary and bonuses? I'm certain I would have said yes because that's the God answer, isn't it? That's the right answer to say because no one's going to say, no, I'm not grateful. I definitely would have uh, mouthed the right words because that's what you say. But in my heart, I was saying, this is my money. I earned it. I worked hard for it. This is what the company owes me for my labour. Never would I have said those words, but that was the attitude of my heart. And this is how we all are taught to think, aren't we? We're all taught to think that way. A wage packet or a salary packet is money earned. It's not a gift. We work hard for that. We get paid for that. You don't say thank you for what's yours by virtue of the hours that you've worked. Or what you feel is your benefit or what you feel is your entitlement or your allotted allowance. And here's where the rubber meets the road this morning. I never saw it that way at all. I never realised how I had become or how, how I had come to take for granted the gracious supply of God. And it's quite humiliating to think about that now. But God has his way of humbling us all when we open ourselves up to the Holy Spirit this morning. So during the last 15 years, I have come to realise God 
does even the scales. God does even the scales. Right always comes out right. When we come to the Lord with a grateful heart and with open hands, open hands means when the Lord can take and the Lord can give into open hands. He cannot bless clenched fists. God can only bless people that come to him with open hands. So he can take and he can give. If you need God to even the scales in your life this morning, then open your hands. Open your hands and lift up your heart to him in gratitude and thanksgiving. And because of what God has done, how he has even the scales, I am now profoundly grateful to God because I learnt to say thank you to the Lord for his provision, for what I had once taken for granted. Fifteen years ago, if you had asked me, are you a grateful person? I suppose I would have said, I'm about as grateful as the next person. And from that standpoint, and from the standpoint of our text this morning, that would have been a true statement. Because we are all unthankful by nature. Because we all take for granted the goodness of the Lord. We think God owes us something when in fact he owes us nothing at all. James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. So here's the big question this morning. What do you have that you did not receive from the Lord? God showed me that in my own heart. I was guilty of the sin that lies at the heart of all other sins. And that is ingratitude. Ingratitude is the sin that lies at the heart of all other sins. When we're not thankful for what we have received, we open the door to every other sin imaginable. When we complain and gripe, when we, when, we, uh, uh, when, when, when we emotionally and verbally pull things down and pull people down. Remember, ingratitude this morning is the sin that lies at the heart of all other sins. Let me finish with this final point, And that is thankfulness and gratitude are the first and foremost. They're first and foremost a matter of our heart. It's not about what we do or what we don't do. It's the heart this morning that must be changed. After all, we may do many good deeds and yet we might do them in bitterness. We might do those good deeds reluctantly. We might do them resentfully or out of a sense of duty. or in order, We might do them in order to win God's favour because we believe that mercy is earned and not given. Now, I've learnt and am learning that thankfulness is a gift, first and foremost. If you want to exercise a spiritual gift this morning, show gratitude, show thankfulness. And then you might, and we might, see some spiritual fruit. The first spiritual gift you can exercise in your life is thankfulness is gratitude.
Thankfulness and gratitude are a gift of the Spirit and they are a matter of the heart. And it flows down on us. It drops like gentle rain from heaven. In fact, mercy and gratitude always go together this morning. What starts as mercy in heaven ends up as gratitude on earth. And so this morning, I wish to give thanks to God for showing me the true state of my own heart. And I pray I will become more grateful of all of his gifts. And I ask the Lord to give me a grateful heart for all his blessings, seen and unseen, that I might take nothing for granted in this world. And I pray that in the name of Jesus. And this morning I hope you can pray that same prayer as we gather around the Lord's table and you bring your heart before God this morning. Now, given that I've stolen a good portion of Pastor Sermon's 1861 December sermon, uh, it would only be fitting to close this sermon and read some of his closing statements to his sermon, okay? And he says, And then let us begin to be, thank to be very thankful. If we have not been so before, let us praise God for common mercies, for they prove to be uncommonly precious when they are once taken away. Bless God that you were able to walk or drive here, that you were able to walk or drive home again. Bless God for your reason. Bless God for your existence. Bless God for the means of grace, for uh, an open Bible for the throne of grace, for the preaching of his word. Uh, you that are saved must lead the song, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless him for his son, bless him for his spirit, bless him for his fatherhood, bless him that you are his child, bless him for what you have received, bless him for what he has promised to give. Bless him for the past, the present and the future. Bless him every day for everything at all times and in all places. Let all that is within you bless his holy name. Go your way rejoicing. May his spirit help you so to do. And I pray that in the name of Jesus and all God's people said amen. Amen. Please stand with me as we confess our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed.